time when things are shifting. We're going to be, be a new world order. We've got to lead it. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. All right, what's up, everyone? It is Tuesday, February 28th, and we welcome you to tonight's broadcast. This is End Time Headlines. I'm your host, Ricky Scapero, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of End Time Headlines. If you're new to the broadcast, this is your first time joining us on any video platform in which you're able to comment. Let us know that you're new and where you guys are joining us from. We appreciate you guys coming on to the broadcast tonight. So tonight... We're going to do a little bit of a change up. Um, we're going to do an equipping uh, segment tonight. So if this is not your thing, you may not enjoy this, but I believe everybody in the body of Christ needs to be equipped. We all need to get our, our swords sharpened from time to time because when we're out here in the world and we're dealing with things of the world, our sword becomes dull. I'm not talking about in the natural sense, obviously, but we're talking about, we're talking about in the spiritual sense. The, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible says his iron sharpens iron. So a man sh- uh, sharpens his countenance by us edifying one another. And as we go through this thing called life, our, I call it our sword becomes dull. Um, we begin to lose our edge. In our walk with God, whether it's in our prayer time, our devotion time, our reading of the word of God or whatever the case would be. So this is why this is good. Equipping messages like this, we need these more often. And so tonight, uh, our foundational scripture is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. I'll pull this up on the screen so you can follow along with this. Again, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses four through nine. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. Uh, this is a um, this is a, a a church that is young. It is not fully matured in their faith, but they are growing in their faith. And Paul is writing to them. He's addressing issues. He's bringing correction. He's bringing faith. He's bringing hope. He's bringing mercy. Um, as the apostle over this church, he is uh, doing just that. As a, an apostle over the church, he is so much, uh, I guess in essence, he is fathering this church and helping them to grow and mature in what God has called them to be. So having said that, in 1 Corinthians, chapter one, Paul begins to talk about a gift. I want you to say that with me, a gift or gifts, gift, singular gifts, plural tense, because this is what the entire message is going to be centered around gift and gifts. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, you're going to have to hang on for a little bit and we'll talk about it. Here we go. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Verse six, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, here is verse seven, so that you come short in no gift. Now he is not, when he talks about the word gift here in the Greek, it is the word charismata, where we get the word charisma. Also where the term charismatic comes from all of it stems from this this is not a physical gift paul is not desiring to bring them a box of chocolates or candy or a gift certificate to uh, a texas or a texas roadhouse or a steakhouse up the road no this is a gift it's charismata it's a spiritual gift and we're going to show you that so that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells them, he tells the church Corinth here that you should desire this gift or we are to desire these gifts while we're waiting 
for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 8, who also will confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about the return of the Lord, the return of the Son of Man. And Paul is saying here that we as the body of Christ, we don't want to call, we don't want to fall short or come short in no gift. All right. So this is what he's talking about here. So we're going to, again, we're going to build off of this. Now let's go to first Corinthians chapter 12. I know I told you it was going to be a little different today. Again, I realize that this is not going to be for everybody. Again, this is first Corinthians uh, chapter 12 is where we're going to go. So let me pull that up. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 12. But now concerning spiritual gifts. So there you go. There's the same, it's same Greek word, charismata brethren, or we, we could say the church. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So then he shifts gears here and we go into first Corinthians 12, four, there are diversities or there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I want to say that one more time. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So these gifts that are available to us believers today, and we're going to touch more about that today because there's a group of individuals out there that teach they're not for today. We're going to cover that. And it's important that you understand that because you're going to get a better understanding of why there is such adversity and opposition against any preacher or teacher such as myself that emphasizes uh, these gifts of the spirit. So here he says here that the prophet is for all of us with these gifts, not for us to have for show and tell or for our own profit to, to gain recognition or for our own pride. It's for the profit of the body. Look at this verse eight. For one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts, plural tense of healings, plural by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kind of tongues. Your King James says diverse tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit works, all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second. So if you, in case you were, if you were paying attention, you will recognize that the apostle Paul names nine spiritual gifts, nine spiritual charismatas, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now I want to say this. There is what's called the natural and there's what's called the supernatural. We're not talking about the natural today. We're talking about the supernatural today. See, because these are done by the what? Holy Spirit. These are spiritual gifts. So in essence, uh, for example, there is what's called earthly wisdom. But then there's what's called the word of wisdom. See, cause you can go out here and I can, I can gain wisdom of the earth from sitting around individuals who are very knowledgeable, have uh, maturity, have age on them and experience in whatever areas in which I want to gain wisdom from. So for example, uh, Dave Ramsey is a perfect example. Dave Ramsey is what we would call an economic, um, advisor or expert on it, on, on, on the, uh, 
uh, finances. So if I want to gain wisdom regarding my finances, how to be a good steward of my finances, how to get out of debt and all these things, then I would tune into the Dave Ramsey show because I know that I can gain wisdom from a man who has applied these principles his entire life and he's lived out these principles and he's seen the fruit of these principles in action. So does everybody understand what I'm saying here? That is earthly wisdom. That is wisdom. Dr. Phil is not someone I go to for spiritual wisdom. He is not a pastor. He's not someone I go to for me to be shepherd in the word of God. But he has uh, wisdom when it comes to counseling in certain areas. So you have common wisdom and then you have supernatural wisdom. You have common knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of information that you gain from reading and listening and setting under information that you gain to gain knowledge. But then there's what's called the word of knowledge. This is not the same thing. A, the gift of word of knowledge is if, um, if an individual is up and he is conducting a service, and where in which he is speaking or preaching or bringing forth the word of God and the the spirit of God gives him information about someone there or listening that he had no previous knowledge or understanding or recollection of so he he did not know this nobody was he didn't he, he didn't research it on the internet on google on facebook on social media he doesn't have an ear a bug in his ear uh, or or a um a, a ear device where somebody's speaking to him that information but he super he the lord Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives him a word of knowledge about someone's situation that they may have an infirmity, that they may be going through a marital problem, that they may be going through a depression or whatever. And he calls them out of the crowd or he gives forth that word of knowledge and, uh, and he does that. And someone, uh, there, uh, is it, um, resonates with them and it, to a point where, guys, I have seen this in operation to the point where it was very detailed. For example, in my own life, the very first time I ever experienced this was I was in a small country church doing a revival service and where in which I was on the front row and I had my hands lifted up and I was lost in worship. And the man of God who came, that, that was speaking there that night, I never met him, didn't know him. He didn't know me. This was before social media was ever out. So th- he had no information of this. The pastor didn't know this at the church. And he came up to me not knowing who I was, not my backdrop, not my story, nothing. And he said unto me I, a word. He gave me a word about three days prior to me coming to that event of things that I was doing. You guys have heard me talk about this story. So let me just go ahead and give you about 30 seconds of the story. Three days before that meeting, I was on my face before the Lord in an apartment building. And I was crying out before the Lord, asking that the Lord would save my parents, which at that time was my stepfather and my mother. And I was pleading with the Lord and I was praying things like, God, whatever it takes, don't let them go to hell. I, I plead, I intercede, I step in the gap for them. I stay, I, I stand in the gap and make up the hedge for them. I'm praying for them. I'm interceding for them. And I was earnestly praying to the point where tears were being shed. And then fast forward three nights later, I'm in this service. Here is the man of God standing in front of me. And he looks at me and he says, young man, the spirit of the Lord says unto me this night that three day, no more than three days ago, uh, the Lord shows me that you were on your face before the Lord, before him, and you were crying out for your parents to be saved. And the Lord says he has heard your prayers this night. Now, guys, that how many believe that that was detailed? That was not common knowledge. That was the word of knowledge. Let me give you one more example, and we got to move on with this. Then you have the gift of faith. I'm just using three of the nine gifts. The Bible talks about faith. There, all through the scripture, it talks about there is faith, there's the fruit of faith, then there's the gift of faith. So there's levels of faith. 
The Bible talks about that every man is given the measure of faith or a measure of faith. And he talks about this, but that measure of faith can grow as the individual grows. So the more it's, I always talk about faith is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you exercise that muscle, it becomes stronger and bigger. And this is how faith works. You have to exercise your faith. Well, I don't know if I believe that, Brother Ricky. We'll go to the book of James. James says, show me thy works and I'll show you my faith and show you, show me your faith and I'll show you the works. They go hand in hand. Faith without works is dead. So you, we have to exercise our faith. The book of Hebrews says faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. Listen, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's the word of God. We walk by what? Come on, somebody talk to me by faith and not by sight. The, the, our entire Christian walk is based on the premise of faith. We have to have faith. So we have what is what we would call common faith or the measure of faith. But then you have what's called the gift of faith. Um, and this is different. Now there is a fruit of faith too. So you have the measure of faith, the fruit of faith and the gift of faith. Now, what is the fruit of faith? Faith again, it's one of the fruits that bear in this, in the walk of a believer. Listen, I don't believe that if you've been serving the Lord, listen, if you've been serving the Lord for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you should have fruit bearing. You should have testimonies. Of how you walked in faith and believed God for things that other people try to write you off and told you it was going to be impossible for you to to obtain that, to receive that, or to believe for that. So you, uh, they tell you it can't be done. You can't be healed. You can't be delivered. You can't be set free. Your marriage can't be reconciled. So you begin to step out in faith without wavering. And you begin to see God come through. God come through in your marriage. God heal your body. God give you a financial breakthrough. God deliver you out of that stronghold. And what does that do? It builds your faith and it increases it. And you begin to produce fruit. Let me give you another example. Early on in my Christian walk, I struggled with believing God in my finances. Why? Because that area of faith was very weak because I didn't exercise it very much. But the moment I began to learn the principles of tithing and giving and honoring God and stepping out in faith in those areas and exercising that muscle, I today I can fast forward 23 years later, I don't struggle in areas of exercising my faith towards finances because I have seen God come through over and over and over again in those areas. Thus, I have been able to develop and produce fruit in those areas. But then, so we have the measure of faith. We have the fruit of faith. But then there is something uh, that is greater and it's called the gift of faith. Now, listen to me. Not everybody has all these gifts. We're going to get into that more here in just a second. I know this is a little different. This is an equipping teaching message. The spirit of God distributes to those who he wills for his benefit. So you may be Holy Ghost filled and operate in the word of wisdom. Whereas brother Ricky, I don't operate maybe so much in that gift, but God has blessed me to operate in the discerning of spirits or the, or diverse tongues. Does does everybody understand what I'm saying here? So now having said that some people have the gift of faith. Now, what is the gift of faith, brother Ricky, the gift of faith, anybody and everybody who's ever operated in the gift of faith, you will know it. Because these are individuals who someone could have dropped dead in the floor and they 
possess this gift of faith where in which they have no doubt. It, they have no struggle of doubt whatsoever that they firmly believe that they are going to lay hands on that individual and they're going to see them raised from the dead. Now, I know you, some of you people don't even believe that God still raises the dead, and we're going to address those folks in just a moment. But there has been people in the body of Christ that has been documented uh, in uh, long after the fourth century that has seen, operated in, handled, eyewitnessed uh, raising the dead. And they, there is books written about these individuals and there's eyewitness accounts of this and testimonies of where the people have been raised from the dead. Now you don't see this a lot in America and there's theories of why that is. There's so much unbelief, doubt, division, strife, discord, disunity, all that nonsense causes so much unbelief in the atmosphere that God is hindered from doing any of this stuff. Okay. But the point is there is people out there that possess the gift of faith. And they can believe God for things. Perhaps you've met these people and they have faith towards areas that you, it just blows your mind. I'm literally, they could literally be, they have, they could have gotten the pink slips to their job, lost their job. They have, they're six months behind on their house payment. Their car's about to get repossessed, but they have a faith, a gift of faith in them that they know that God is going to see them through and provide for them. And he's going to do it in a way that is going to be supernatural and blow people's minds. And then you see it happen in their life. And you're sitting back like, how in the world did they know this? And they could they believe for this? Because again, this is a whole different area. This is a gift of faith. All right. So anyway, let's move on here. I want to go on down here. Let's go to first Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. Now we're going to go again. First Corinthians chapter 12, 28 through 31. Here it is. Ready? And God has appointed these in the church. Now, what are these? Ready? First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and then here it is charismata then gifts of healings helps administrations variety varieties of tongues stop we have to stop here all right so again notice here this is where we get uh a lot of people come up, they get the, the fivefold ministry. If you go to the book of Ephesians, he mentions the office of the, the, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the pastor. And they call this the fivefold ministry. But here you see the apostle Paul t- t- talking to the church of Corinth, and he says that God himself has appointed these in the church. Now, again, this is not, this is after the resurrection of Christ. And he says that there is apostles, prophets, and teachers still operating in the church. Okay. So that only leaves two offices missing from this equation. That would be pastors and evangelists. Now we know that those two are still in operation today. I firmly believe that all of these offices are still intact and still operating today. Now, again, this other group that we're going to talk about, and you've heard Brother Ricky mention this many times, they don't believe that at all. So we're going to address that. Now, let's let's really read here. Are all apostles? Question mark. No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. We just answered that. We know that. Verse 30. Do all have gifts of healings? No. But do some? Yes. Do all speak with tongues? This is not talking about having a bilingual language. This is according to what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. It is a heavenly language, not a known earthly language. This is what Jude talks about when he says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse 31. Now, this is interesting here. Look at this. 
uh, or let me read this, but do all interpret? No, because not everybody has the gift of interpretation of tongues. And, and guys, I can't go into 30 minute details on each one of these or we'll never get through this. So I'm trying to hit these bullet points and move on. Verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, somebody say that with me. The best gifts. We say, Brother Ricky, what is the best gifts? I believe the best gifts are the gifts that are needed for the situation. Let me say that again. I believe the best gifts are the gifts that are needed for the situation. For example, if I am in a gathering, whether it's in a church building as what we call traditional church, four walled brick and mortar church building, or I am in a home group meeting, I've got people in my home and we're having church in our home. And there is someone in the midst of us who has an infirmity in their body. Well, obviously, I don't need the gift of tongues. I don't need the gift of knowledge. I don't need the gift of diverse tongues. What I probably need is the gift of healings, or I would say even a word of knowledge. Because you can give, because listen, I don't believe. Now, look, I'm going to uh, listen. I, I said this before. I am probably the most balanced spirit filled believer you'll probably ever meet. Because when, when it comes to spirit filled believers, we're tagged with different terms, Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever. You've got two sides of the camp. You've got one group that, uh, and we're, and we're going to cover those in just a minute. They don't believe any of, any of the gifts. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in healings. They don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe casting out devils. They don't believe in any of that stuff. All of it's emotionalism, demonic, whatever, sensationalism, theatrics. Then you got this group that believes there's a devil behind every doorknob and that every sickness is got to be spiritual or it's of the devil. See, both of these are extremes. Let us reason together, my brothers and sisters. Okay. Because listen, not every sickness needs uh, a laying on of hands and to be healed. It, um, we are coming into seasonal allergy season here in the state of Georgia. We, uh, there's a joke here that we have in Georgia. We don't get white snows. We get green pollen. I, it pollens like snowfall in the North here in, in the state of Georgia. So having said that, if you're like me and you suffer with allergies, it's not something I'm proud of. It's not something I like. It's not something that I, uh, would will to, for anybody else to have. But if you deal with allergies such as tree pollen and grass pollen, then we're about to enter into a time of great tribulation. It's a joke. Okay. But anyway, we're entering into that season. And so do I need you to lay hands on me and get delivered of itchy eyes and a runny nose and a scratchy throat? That sounds great. and That'd be wonderful. But God has also provided remedies to help that. There's natural remedies such as local localized honey and different herbs, and different things you can do that may or may not help you. But then there is what's called modern medicine. And listen, I know some people think that all modern medicine is of the devil. And I don't believe that. My own wife is in the nursing, uh, uh, she's in the uh, uh, health industry. She's a nurse practitioner. So, uh, you know, I thank God for Allegra. Because Allegra has helped me get the victory Year after year over that green demon called pollen. Come on. And all my Southerners said, amen, and let it be so. So what, I'm, what am I talking about? I'm talking about not everything needs a laying on of hands, anointing of oil, and the elders to come out and cast it out of you. I'm just saying. But then there's other things. Now, we did a whole podcast on this. How do you know and how can you distinguish when it's a spirit of infirmity? Now, some of y'all don't believe in spirits of infirmity, 
but there is real spirits of infirmities. So uh, let me give you 30 seconds of, a, of an hour teaching that I did. And you could, by the way, you can find this whole teaching on our podcast archives on YouTube or somewhere out there. It's out there. Trust me. I, I promise you, we did a whole teaching on this. But if you, if you've got an individual and they have been suffering with some type of infirmity, and they've gone to every specialist, every doctor, every blood work and test and scan imaginable under the sun, and they cannot find anything wrong with them. Listen, there might be something spiritual to that. Do you remember in the Bible, there was a woman called a daughter of Abraham. That's what the Bible called. And it said for 18 years, this woman came into the church of her day, which would be the synagogue of that day. She went into the, or the temple. She went into the synagogue or into the temple year after year after 18 long years. And she was hunched back. She was bent over and she had an infirmity on her. Now, nobody there had discernment. Nobody was spirit filled. And nobody could recognize that this was not arthritis. It was not, um, it was not fibromyalgia. It was not, uh, a disc slipped in her back. She didn't strain her back, pull her back. She didn't, and she wasn't, she had no, uh, natural cause to this. The Bible says she was bound for 18 years by a spirit of infirmity. Now, I just want to throw this out after you, out there to you. The Bible called her a daughter of Abraham. Do you realize what that means? In today's vernacular, that would be she was a Christian. She was a Torah follower. She followed the law of Moses. She served God. She was called a daughter of Abraham, but yet she was bound by a spirit of infirmity. Now you can do whatever you want with that, but I'm just telling you that Jesus showed up and he said, this is not something you can throw a pill at or go to the chiropractor for or do some uh, stretches or yoga or some essential oils to get rid of it. This is something it's going to have to be cast out by the spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. So what am I talking about? I'm saying the best gift is the gift that's needed for the situation. So here's another example. So if you're having a service, come on, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I do. I love doing these equipping and teaching messages. So if I'm having a service and I have someone coming in, and they are from a foreign nation. They do not speak English. They don't speak any fluent English fluently. They come in and they're praying at the altar. And then someone there is begin an elder of the church, someone on the prayer team, the altar team, the intercessors, they begin to lay hands on them and they have the gift of, uh, diverse tongues. So, and maybe, and perhaps they have the gift of interpretation of tongues. So this intercessor begins to lay hands on this individual who is from a foreign nation and begins to pray for them, not in their English language, but begins to pray for them in the Holy Spirit. But then all of a sudden, the words that are coming out of their mouth are words they have never learned. They've never studied and they come flowing out of their mouth they don't understand what they just said. They don't know it. But all of a sudden, the individual in which they were praying for begins to weep uncontrollably. And they, or they begin to leap for joy and they begin to celebrate because then afterwards they come and they hug the intercessor and they say, how did you pray in my native tongue? And that intercessor says, it was the Holy Ghost. I've never learned it. I've never studied it. That's what that gift is that we're talking about the gift of diverse tongues and the interpretation of tongues, where in which they're able to pray by their heavenly language, this supernatural gift, and they'll be able to pray for that individual and give them words in which they can speak in their natural language. That is not natural. That is supernatural. That is, so Paul's talking about the best gifts. Seek the best gifts. All right, so then, let me go on here. Look at this. 
let's go to Romans 1, 9, and 11. Let me pull this up. Romans 1, 9, and 11. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request that by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Now, this is the church in Rome here. For I long to see you, look at this, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Again, Paul wasn't longing to come to them to give them a gift certificate for a free lunch at McDonald's. No, he said, I'm coming and I long to come to you by the will of God that I may lay hands on you and impart to you a spiritual gift. So having said that, I want to let you know that these gifts, again, are readily available for the body of Christ, and they can come through the laying on of hands, or, watch this, they can come by you seeking the Lord in your prayer closet and asking Him for these gifts. And let me, I want to, I want to emphasize something here. When you go and you seek and ask for these gifts, it is not so the spotlight can come on you and that you can make a theatrical show of it. If you listen, I, if I want these gifts and I want them in my life, it is for the edification of the believer. It is help people to help people to lay hands on them and believe for miracles to have the gift of faith the word of knowledge all these gifts are for the edification of the body okay so i want to move on now let me say this now we're going to shift gears and um i want to explain to you i want the reason why i'm going to bring this out is so that you will understand when we talk about revival services, when we talk about um, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit today, we talk about tongues, interpretation of tongues, and healings, and miracles, and casting out devils, and laying hands on the sick that they should recover. When we talk about gifts, we talk about all these things like this. You're going to get a. You're going to get these groups of individuals who are going to quickly oppose this and they're going to mark it off as emotionalism or they'll even go as far as to say it's the work of Satan. Now that second one is very scary guys, because this is what they did to Jesus when Jesus was operating in miracles and gifts. They called him a, a devil. They said he was working through Beelzebub, the prince of demons, and they accused him of casting out devils and healing the sick through the, through the devil, which is absolutely absurd because even Satan understands that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So can Satan cast out Satan? That's what your Bible says. So here's the deal. There's two major trains of thought regarding these gifts among most. And now here's the word cessationist. You've heard me talk about this. Most cessationists are going to be found in two groups predominantly. And it's either going to be reformed theologists or in a certain sects, S-E-C-T-S of Baptists. Not all Baptists are like us. But there, this is where you're predominantly going to find this. Now, here's what basically they teach. They believe that these gifts that we just talked about today cease from operating in the church once the last original apostle died in 100 AD. Number two, they believe these gifts cease in operation once the New Testament of Canaan of Scripture was compiled in the fourth century. Number three, they believe people... Uh, they believe these gifts only operated through the original 12 apostles to authenticate the gospel message. But once the Bible was fully compiled, that God somehow supernaturally withdrew these gifts from the earth and seized them from operation in the body of Christ. Now, here's the interesting part. Ready? Most of these individuals teach it is impossible to lose your salvation, which, by the way, 
they will tell you is a free gift. But somehow the gifts of the spirit can or somehow be taken, retracted, removed, or withdrawn from the Lord himself, by the Lord himself. Let me say that one more time for the back row that maybe wasn't paying attention to me. Most of these, both of these camps of individuals believe that you cannot lose your salvation, which the Bible says is a free gift, but yet they believe somehow that the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit can be retracted, removed, or uh, taken away by God. Now, just say law. Think about that for just a second. Now, here's what's interesting. These folks call these gifts the gifts of the apostles. Yet this term is nowhere found anywhere in the Bible. Go look for it. Find it. It's not there. However, I will show you where the Bible uses the term gifts of the spirit. The point being is, if the spirit still remains in the earth, and I want to ask everyone who's a, who is a cessationist, maybe you are a reformed theologist, you're uh, uh, you're a camp, you're a Calvinist, you're part of the Baptist camp, and you believe that if you believe the spirit of God is, do you believe the spirit of God is still operating in the earth today? Do you believe he's still here today? Do you still believe that he woos people into receiving the gospel message of Jesus Christ? If you say yes, how is it the same spirit of God still remains in the earth and is active in the life of a believer, yet the gifts that he distributes as he wills is not available to the, to the believer today? Hmm, things that make you go, hmm. And by the way, let's just keep on plowing here. If the gifts of the Spirit ceased in operation after the last apostle died, or when when the Canaan of Scripture was compiled in the 4th century, how do we explain that in the early church father's writings, whether it be Justin Martyr, Arrhenius, Novation, Tertullian, uh, all these early church fathers speak in their writings about the operation of the gifts of the Spirit still in the church in their day. Then we fast forward all through the 12th century, 14th century, 17th century, 1800s. We see the operation of the Holy Ghost moving through the gifts. We go to 1886, Murphy, North Carolina. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit operation there. 1906, Azusa Street revival in California the Holy Spirit was moving then in operation here but watch this but if these people who are sensationists believe they have been convinced that this is not the operation of the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is not operating through these gifts anymore and it died out then they will associate any of these revivals, awakenings, and moves of God, they will associate those with the working of Satan. This is terrifying. To me, it is. It's absolutely terrifying. Now, here is, let me bring up this passage. Uh, how much time we got? I don't even know how far. We've went 43 minutes. I've got to get this out. This is, I want to take you to, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 I want to, uh, let's go here right now. Let me read this and then we're going to plow a little bit. This is the apostle Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Y'all see that? So friends, listen, I don't care what they tell you. There is a tongue of angels. There is a heavenly tongue, a spirit language, a heavenly language. But anyway, but I have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Verse four, love suffers long is kind. It does not envy, does not parade itself, it's not puffed up, it doesn't behave rudely, it does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it's not, it thinks no evil, 
It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse eight, love never fails. How many believes he's talking about love? All right. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Now, somehow these guys, these these camps of people right here will take this passage of scripture and they will tell you that this has to do with the completion of the Canaan of scripture. When in reality, the context of all this is love. Paul said, if you lose the entire premise of what you're, if you lose the desire and compassion for people and the whole reason why you're doing ministry and you don't have love anymore, it don't matter if you have these gifts, they will cease from operating. Now, am I saying that God's going to take them away? Nope, because I'm going to prove to you that's not what he does. And I want to elaborate a little bit more on that, but let me get here. Let me go back. Watch this verse uh, eight. Love never fails, but whether they, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And that's what the, well, right there, brother Ricky tongues have ceased. Therefore, no one gets filled with the Holy ghost today. And they don't speak in tongues because Paul says tongues will cease. Well, context is everything, buddy. And second of all, we're going to, we're going to plow on that a little bit more. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. It's interesting. Tongues, according to them, are no more, but are, d- did knowledge vanish away? Right. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now they will tell you that which is perfect is the completion of the Canaan of scripture. And when it comes, all this other stuff, the gifts will be done away with because we won't need them because we have scripture. Guys, that's not what Paul's talking about. All right. Let me read on. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And they will even have the, the, the audacity to call speaking in tongues childish and casting out devils childish and healing the sick childish, childish and, and seeing miracles childish and raising the dead childish. They will say these are childish things because after all, brother Ricky, we have the scriptures. So we've got to be mature and a mature believer doesn't need these things. We don't need to be healed. We don't need to be uh, delivered. We don't need to be having casting out devils and raising the sick and doing all these things because we have the word. My goodness, friend. Yes, we have the word, but we, we've got to, we've got to bring this home. I've got to land this plane. Listen what he says here. For now we see in a mirror. Now, present tense. That's everything. Paul speaking present tense now, not today, now. When he wrote this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then he's speaking future tense. We will see face to face. Now, present tense of the time he wrote this to the church of Corinth. Now I know in part, but then future tense, I shall know just as I also am known and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So he begins with love and he ends with love, but somehow the sensationist have taken and cherry pick passages out of this and build an entire doctrine on this to uh, to try to prove their point that none of these gifts are operating in the church today when this is completely out of context. Oh, let me elaborate a little bit more on this. Okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to pull up my notes here. And I want to read you some stuff here from what we just read. Okay, number one, the Holy Spirit is still being poured out today with the evidence of the of the speaking of tongues and these gifts. So, again, tongues have not ceased. 
I've just told you that. We've seen this in operation well on beyond the fourth century. And there's many people, including myself, you guys that are watching, you guys that are listening, that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, just like in Acts chapter 2. So I'm sorry, you're too late wrong and it's not emotionalism and it's not gibberish and it's not the devil number two they tell you prophecies shall fail we don't need so this way watch this they disregard anyone who has a prophetic word so for myself when the Lord gave me a dream about my firstborn son five years prior, before he was ever born, and I saw him in a dream, saw what he looked like, everything. When the Lord gave me dreams about other things that had not yet happened and they did take place, when I've given people words of knowledge that I could have never known, they will tell me that is absolutely hogwash because it's impossible for God to operate that today. But it's interesting because if you say that prophecies have failed, then you are you are discrediting one third of the entire New Testament that speaks of the return of Jesus, which has not even happened yet. So let me ask you a question. Has prophecies of the Messiah coming down on the, uh, coming down on the Mount of Olives? And putting his foot down and in an earthquake splitting the Mount of Olives and him coming through the Eastern Gate. Is that, has that prophecy failed? Has the prophecies of the entire book of Revelation that what John saw with the tribulation, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the mark of the beast, the image of the beast, the, the, the 200 million man army marching over the Euphrates and the, the dried river, the, the, the angels being released out of the dried river Euphrates and all these things. Has all that failed? Has it ceased? Because according to you guys or those that believe in this, that's what they teach. Ready? That, you, and then they'll tell you that tongues have ceased, prophecy have failed, and knowledge has ceased. Really? Listen, the book of Daniel tells us that knowledge will increase in the last days. But these guys say that knowledge has ceased. I mean, this is an absurd, ridiculous statement. Look around you. You don't think not. You think you actually believe what you're teaching. You actually believe that knowledge has ceased in operation in the earth today. Are you kidding me? All right. That which is perfect cannot be the completion of the Bible. Because listen, this happened in the fifth century. The problem here is that, listen, Paul was speaking and said, now speaking of his day and then speaking of when that which is perfect is, is, uh, comes and, and then part is done away with. So Paul was not aware that what he was even writing would be compiled into 60 books, 66 books of what we would call the Bible. Let me say that one more time. Paul was not aware that what he was writing about was going to be compiled into 66 books called the Bible. He quoted from the law because they didn't have a Bible then. They had the law, the Torah, and the prophets. Here's another one. The Apostle Paul would be known in the then but here's, you ready for this? The Apostle Paul died, according to scholars, somewhere between 350 to 400 years before the Bible was even compiled. So how could Paul say, then, future tense, shall I know even as I also am known? How could he be? He wouldn't even be alive, friend. The Apostle Paul didn't live to be 400 years old. And say, well, guys, here, I, now that the Bible's complete in the Canaan scripture, I am known as I am known. No, that's not what he was talking about. The word perfect here in Greek is teleon. And it's a singular word, meaning a singular event that would occur. What in the world is the conclusion of this matter that Paul is saying? What is this perfect event? That What is that which is perfect, Brother Ricky? He is referring to the return of the Lord, which fulfills all prophecies 
And when the Lord returns, there will be no need of any more spiritual gifts. If you go back to the opening passage of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and he says concerning the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I, uh, he says, I confirm to you that you should come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, not the completion of the Canaan of scripture, the return of the Lord, because when the Lord returns, we shall be known even as we are. John said it like this. He said, it is not yet known what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be likened unto him. Look, I told you before, it's amazing to me that this same group of individuals will tell you that these gifts have been done away with. God has retracted them. He has redrawn, He has withdrawn them, removed them from the body of Christ. But again, this salvation is a free gift. But if you was to even remotely imply that, that, uh, that this gift could somehow be removed, I'm telling you, there would be a full blown riot about this. But in Romans 11, 29, it says for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, they can never be withdrawn or taken back from God. This is why Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in first Corinthians chapter 13. And he said unto them, although you may have these gifts and though you can prophesy and you can do miracles and you can perform healings and you can do these gifts through the Holy spirit. If you lose track of what this thing's all about, if you don't have love operating in your life, this is what he said to the church of Corinth. He said, though you can speak in tongues of angels and you have love and, and you can, uh, he says, even though you have the gift of prophecy, you can understand all mysteries and all knowledge. You have the gift of faith that can move mountains. If you lose your love, he says, here's what he says here. He says that those gifts will begin to become dormant. You'll begin to miss the mark. You'll begin to fail in these operations of these gifts. Is it because God retracted them? Is it because God took them back? No. It's the same way with your muscle. I told you this in the beginning. Listen, you, any bodybuilder will tell you this. If you, if you eat and you work out and you break down your muscle, it's called hypertrophy. If you break down a muscle and you feed it the right nutrients and you get the no, enough rest, your body will repair itself and it will be get bigger every time you tear it down. So you have to keep feeding it, tearing it down, feeding it, tearing it down. But watch this. If you stop working out and you stop using those muscles, you you form what's called atrophy and you begin to lose the very muscle that you gained. Oh, come on, somebody. So th this is what's happening in the body of Christ. This I called a doctrine of demons that is crept in the body of Christ that has a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. So it's making the entire body of Christ become anemic and they are in an atrophic state. They don't have faith to, to do anything. They don't have, they, they don't have any power to cast out devils. We got devils running rampant right in the midst of us, right in our congregation. But I got it. Listen, I got to get through this. So let me, let me give you these four points. So brother Ricky, why are these gifts not seen in operation in most churches today? If they're prevalent. All right. We can answer that. Number one is the backlash and public perception from other churches in the community. Many pastors and denominations are worried about what people will think. Well, we don't want to be called theatric. We don't want to be called, um, uh, you know, some kind of a circus show. We don't want to embarrass anybody. We don't want to make it a spectacle. So they, they snuff it out. They don't want any of this in operation in the church. Number two is the lack of proper sound teaching and equipping regarding this topic, which leads to ignorance, which leads to attacks because people attack what they don't fully know or they don't fully understand. Oh, that's a good one right there to take notes on. That's a fact, friends. People attack what they don't fully know or understand. 
So because they have been taught or they haven't been taught that these gifts are available for the church today, or they've been taught that it's of the devil or it's, it's nonsense, it's gibberish, it's emotionalism, it's sensationalism, then they will attack it. Why do you think that's why when you see this happen in revivals and awakenings and churches where these gifts operate, these people will go on YouTube and they'll go on blog and they'll quickly attack anyone and anyone who is operating in these gifts today. Number three, they're concerned. They're concerned about false manifestations. So they put up barriers to keep anything deemed supernatural away from them. So because there's a counterfeit, because the devil has counterfeits out there, there's counterfeit healings, there's counterfeit tongues, there is the fakes and the phonies, because there's that out there, and I'm not denying that there is, but listen, I'm not going to throw all my money away because there's counterfeit currency circulating. Listen, if you're so afraid that you're going to get counterfeit dollar bills or $100 bills, are you going to throw away all your money? Of course you're not. That's absurd. So why do we do this in the body of Christ? Because there is counterfeits and there is fakes. We completely put up barriers and walls and we don't receive anything that's supernatural of God. Number four, pastors don't want this in the church because it disrupts their agenda or their curriculum or their programs. Oh, come on, somebody. They want it all controlled. They want it their way or the highway. Come on. Does this make sense? Um, I got to close this segment because we've gone, we've gone one hour. So listen, I hope this has been a great equipping message. You listen, don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, hit the push notifications, hit the like button, share this, download our free app. It's available on Apple. It's available on Android. Uh, type in in time headlines, get it today. Be notified of every headline, every podcast when it's readily available right there at your fingertips. Again, as always, if this ministry is a blessing to you, it informs you, it equips you, it encourages you on a, on a week to week basis. And you would like to support, uh, this ministry with a gift of any amount. We want to give you the opportunity. You can do that, uh, either through the app or you can give by check or money order by making it out to in time headlines. And that's at PO box 1391. That's Monroe, Georgia. 30655 right where you're at if you're listening you're watching today you're uh, uh if you're if you're able to receive this today i want to pray for you right now if you if you're listening to this podcast today and you're hungry for these gifts you've heard brother ricky teaching on this and you believe that these gifts are still available today and you have faith to believe them and you want to receive them i want to pray for you right now father in the name of jesus i pray for my brothers and sisters right now i pray for us all i include myself in this and everyone who's watching listening god we come to you and we earnestly you said that we are to seek the best gifts i ask for these gifts in my life and i ask for these gifts in my brothers and sisters lives lord let us obtain these gifts not that we can be boastful proudful uh, make it a spectacle or make it about us. But Lord, that we can go into the highways. We can go into the byways. We can go into uh, places where maybe the, the people cannot come to us, but we can go to them. We can lay hands on the sick that we should see them recover, that we can give them words of knowledge to bring healing to them, to bring hope to them, to bring uh, a redemptive hope that we could show them that there is a living God that is alive and well today and that loves them and wants to use them and receive them as sons and daughters into the kingdom. And Lord, I just thank you today. We receive these gifts. We ask, Father, you, you said in, in the word of the, uh, the word of the Lord that if you being evil, you being a father, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So we ask for the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. 
with a fresh outpouring and a fresh filling and for these gifts to be unlocked in our lives, whether it be through the laying on of hands, receiving it by faith today in our prayer closet or whatever that looks like, we receive it and we and and uh, we walk it out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Listen, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this broadcast today on the 28th, the last day of february 2023 we will be right back here in the studio on thursday uh march 2nd uh we'll be here on 8 p.m eastern and we'll have another great uh message we don't know i don't know what we're going to talk about we'll know by that time it comes around we may give you an update we may equip you we don't know we just try to be led by the spirit whatever he has for us but we're going to bring you something so we're looking forward to being with you guys again in a couple days until then may the lord bless you may keep you and may his countenance shine upon you we'll see you soon thank you for listening to the end time headlines podcast we pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.